We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. In 1921, Zora Neale Hurston published her first short story, John Redding Goes to the Sea. I was trying to read so much into that. (laughs) Well, it's a good story. It's good, though. Like many of Zora's story, we start out in a small village around Florida someplace, your hometown, if you will. And I like this story, too, because if if you've read her biography or even her autobiography, uh, I've got the biography from Valerie Boyd talks a lot about her wanderlust and about how a lot of times her characters are injected with this this need to explore the travel dust as they talk about a quote literally used to describe Zora at a young age and even like the characters names in terms of uh, Alfred and John was her grandparents and parents names there's there's a lot of elements of Zora in the story which results in it just feeling very real very natural in the way that she unfolds a narrative write what you know about and because she knows this so well and she's a master writer it just comes off so transparent and i can see myself as john redding i know that feeling i get so immersed in this story and I'm, i have i have so many emotions as i go through this because I'm, I'm rooting for the guy the whole time and i i know the naysayers because like as we go through this story i i can picture the faces of the naysayers in my own life on the individuals like like Maddie and and the townsfolk and I'm just like mm, you John you got this I got your back John <laughs> because it it is is it it's an emotional roller coaster so it starts out with John as a young boy we kind of follow John through the story and it starts out with him putting you know seeming these twigs just floating down the St. John's River and he's like oh they're going out to the sea I want to do that too Right, and his mom and the naysayers are all kind of calling him out for that. And I think the story cannot be boiled down to just a coming of age story. It can't be boiled down to just an adventure story. It's got everything in here, right? We're going to talk about themes with family, with alienation. We're going to have some themes about a boy finding himself. We're going to have some themes about a community's needs versus an individual's needs. There's there's just so much to a Zora story to explore. And, you know, John Redding is feeling this pull to leave town, to go out on his own. And, you know, his parents want him to get married. He eventually marries this girl named Stella, but that doesn't stop his his desire to leave, to go out and be something different than what he is, to see something. He'll return. He'll be returning a different man. And it's when the storm happens, you know, kind of in the story that... We, uh, we get a shocking turn of events where instead of him being a savior of the town or even realizing something about himself, John dies. Just like a, a regular human being in the story. And 
gosh, was it, was it, it was such a Zora writing experience, reading experience when, you know, the father sees John on the, just like when he, John was literally saw the twigs being whisked away to the sea. That's what his father says. He says, no, let the boy go. That's what he wanted. He wanted to go out to that sea. It just lets him go. She stabs the knife in your heart and then pulls it out through your back, man. And I would say it would be a disservice to John and Zora in this story that the memory of it, the 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 learning experience you have to say that this is a coming age story, even a hero's journey or anything, because the, he, she she does something that is unheard of. I think at this time she kills her main character and doesn't let him go on that that journey. She doesn't let him go on that journey like he wanted to. You can make an army that he still goes on the journey, but it isn't <laughs> on his own terms. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know what his goal was. He wanted to go leave the community. What were John's reasons to stay? What, what are the things that kept him there? Because you had those lines about ships being unable to leave because of like the seaweeds entangling them and them getting stuck and being unable to leave. Very symbolic of John being tangled by, I think obligations desires lo local things like there are good things that are happening in this town what are john's reasons for staying in this story yeah i i felt that the the attachments were one thing but it's also the cultural norms that this is this is what your parents do you're gonna do the same thing this is how things are done in the south this are th how things are done on our farm in florida during this time period, and you're not going to buck the system. And if you question the system, you're looked down upon. Um, they use some pretty derogatory terms to describe John um, that I won't repeat. And I, I think that that's that that's bogging him down. And he doesn't want to play ball with that. He doesn't want those things for his life. Uh, but he does feel that sense of obligation of, of family and, and cultural society, which I don't want to say plagues all of us, but is in the back of all of our minds of what ex family expects of us, what your kids expect of you, your parents. I knew you were going to do your that. Neighbor. I knew, I yeah. knew you were going to have those words, those charged words, where you're like, "Why didn't you go, John?" That's you. You are John. Yes, you have. I'm John. You have a sea but, pole. But I left. I left. Yeah, I know. And you I did. didn't drown. I got away. I know you did. <laughs> I knew you were going to view the story this way. Yes. And yeah. I, and I want to point out story. there there and are good things. There are good things that are happening in this town regardless, right? In terms of what would it be if he were to stay? He'd help out with the school, right? And what does school represent? It represents that particularly 1921, right? In terms of what advancement, uh, yeah. Advance yeah, betterment, like, sure. Right, exactly. Especially especially for an African American community where you had less resources, you had less uh, opportunities, if you will, being able to uh, build your culture is a rewarding experience, I think, most of the time, particularly, you know, for a lot of people who are able to increase your community standings. You had yeah, family. But, I mean, it, but it's rewarding, rewarding for some people, but not for John. And that's the individuality versus the, 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 the me versus the we. Right. And, and I, I encourage self-growth. And I, I think that if you well, hang on, want, hang on, you, you uh, cannot imply okay. I am not encouraging self-growth. I cannot imply <laughs> okay, okay, that. Okay. Fair enough. 
But there's that push and pull factor, and I think that the pull factor for John, to me, is a little bit more important than the push to stay. I understand. I understand. Okay. And and I think it's, if we look at relationships, right, what makes a relationship work? Because you're still an individual in a relationship, but when you get married, there's a we aspect to this, too. Agreed. And I think I think you're kind of expected to give up some of yourself to put that energy to the other person. If you put your energy into them and build them up, they will put their energy into you and build you up. And it's this it's this com- collision, this coming together of people that is supposed to build a strong relationship. I, I think is how a lot of people view it at least. I, I think and, we're missing oh go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I think Stella is it's an interesting the way it's explored because there's there's nothing that I'm aware of from the narrative perspective where it's like, this is what's wrong with Stella. This is why we won't work. He's just like, baby, I got to do this. This is for me. I will come back. I need this for me. And everyone's just like, no, John, you need to stay. Like, don't, isn't this a good thing? You shouldn't do that, John. John, don't you want to stay? Like, I, I can see where he wasn't supported necessarily all the ways that the way, the way that his father was supportive of him, I guess some of the yes. women, in terms of the men versus women, in the story at least, didn't support him the same way. My way that I came to that kind of same conclusion, not through the, the, the men and women aspect, but of love, that I felt like his father was the only one that truly loved him. His father gave him what he wanted, even in death. He was selfless and said no. That's what my son wants, and that's what he's going to get. Put him back in the sea and let him have that. And that maybe that his mom, Maddie, and his wife, they did love him, but selfishly. What They loved him for what John could do for them and what John could do for their community, not what John wanted. And I think if you truly love somebody, you support them in what they want. And if it just so happens those two goals collide then that is where you get a great relationship. And I think that 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 his wife, Stella, is not really listening to him, and that's why he had to do take such drastic measures. As, as you said, what makes a relationship work? Communication and love, and they don't have that. And I think the only two people that do, that are communicating on the same page and truly love each other, are John and his father. When we talk about those those weeds that hold the ships back, is it the weeds fault? Is, is it the ship's lack of planning, lack of resources to get through? When we look at what held John back, John could have left anytime he wanted. It was his choice to stay. Do we, do, do I hear you blaming? Talk to me more about why John stayed. Let me just, let me say that instead. A sense of obligation. No, I, I don't. I'm not saying that John isn't without fault in this scenario. I mean, he eventually does make the decision, and he felt a sense of obligation to his family and his community, and he made that choice, and he sacrificed his own dreams for that for a while. But then he never truly gave up on those dreams and said, "You know what? I, I'm I'm going to make this choice. I'm going to go to the sea. I'm going to find out who I am, and I'll come back a better person." And he made that promise, and then. Zora stabbed me in the heart and killed him. 
Uh, and you, I, I kind of felt like it was going to happen, but he was, I mean, on a selfless perspective, he was putting their happiness first with staying and, and trying to help True. out with the school and marriage. Like, like John did have good characteristics in him. And, and when the storm came again, storm represents change a lot of times, but it also, we can also represent this, um, particularly from like a romantic era of writing. We're way past that 1921. Don't get me wrong, but you have this fate come in when we talk about storms this unstoppable force that no matter what decisions you make you're not changing that right and here comes this storm this unstoppable force of fate in john's life and he chooses to be a good person he, he doesn't hesitate so you so you could stay safe father i need to go help this farmer out this farmer is lauding him like oh you're such a good person for wanting to help and and he loses his life as a result and to the same point, I think it's a choice, right? It's not the tree's fault he's died. I don't even think it's necessarily the storm's fault. John chose to go do those things because he thought it was the right thing to do. And I think that's the hardest part about when we talk about these things that hold us back. We're, we might have obligations, but a lot of times we choose not to break them because we, we're, being, we're thinking of others in a sense, right? When it goes to that selfless versus self-act in a sense, that individual needs of wanting to grow, become back a different, better person, as you said, versus the community's needs. We need you here to help with the school. The idea of fate, of no matter what you choose to do, still being forced into some certain things here, such as death in this situation for John, and how his father kind of very figuratively lets him accomplish his goals through, through going out through the sea, through the, through the, the river there. Again, called the St. John's River, interestingly enough. John heads down the St. John's. And uh, a very sad ending to the story, I think. I have a, qu a question for you, maybe a couple of questions. Do you think that John is being punished? That the death was retribution for his sin of pride? Um, I don't think so. I, do I don't think, think he was prideful. I, I think it was fate. Okay. I think he was fate. destined to go that way. Okay. I don't know. It, it just seems like no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> right? You're just mad at Zora. You just want to blame the, the store. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do. I I mean, he did the right thing, and then he he's punished for it. And he does the right thing by his family. He does the right thing by his wife. And as soon as he makes a choice that is not the norm, I feel like he was punished for it. And isn't that sometimes how it goes in our, our world, in our society? As soon as you go against your family or against the society or your town, you're ostracized for it. Maybe not killed, but um, you know, not being able to ever see or talk to your family again is just as good as dead in some people's mind. So I, I definitely think that, yeah, fate, fate, fate intervened hard on John's life. And I'm glad that uh, I, I did not have such an unlucky demise. I think there's that fate. I mean, at the same time, we're also reading that Flannery O'Connor story. So like I have like this meld between the two stories happening that you could take this like real interpretation of being released. Finally, I think it's very figurative. I, <laughs> I think live generally better for dead, my personal choice, but I think you do see maybe a literary release a literary way that John finally got away from the obligations to be himself and to be free. I don't think that works in real life, but I think from a literature standpoint, it's very poetic.
I mean, for some people it could work. I mean, unfortunately, you know, bad things happen and, you know, but, yeah. uh, and yeah. interesting enough, this is her first, you know, published short story. Uh, she, she come out swinging, right. And, uh, something that was kind of unusual to kill your main character and then to kind of flip a societal, you know, norm of taking the body and, you know, having a burial and and having closure, the, the the father let all that go to let his son have what he wants. It was very uh, touching and poetic in my mind, and I thought I thought a killer ending to the story. Even though I was mad, I w- I was still I was still okay with it. You know, overall, I, I know that I seem a little bit bitter, but I'm okay with. It. I love the story. It was great. The ending was wonderful, um, and I, I think it was actually what I wanted. You know, I'm still you know. I'm good. I'm good. Well, <laughs> Thank think, you. Thank you, Zora. I, th- I think uh, water represents some type of a change with Zora, if that makes sense. Like we saw that with, uh, was that the Magnolia flowers with, with yep. the idea about how water can, can represent change in life. But um, even critics kind of came down on this a little bit. I, I think they'll talk about how Zora wasn't at the height of her power yet, and I just couldn't help but think, like, well, they're just mad at her, like Crypto was. <laughs> oh, I got, I, I, yeah, but I'm, I won't critique those critics, but they're stupid. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> this is an amazing story. I mean, come on. I mean, if this was my first story, I, you, this could be a, a one hit wonder, be a one and done, and you'd, you'd make it into literature books. So, yeah, they're just naysayers. They're jealous. <laughs> Well, all right, guys, we're going to leave a link down below for other Zora Neale Hurston talks that we've had. Appreciate you guys spending some time with us. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. Una out. Crypto out. Peace.